0: Time once again for another edition here of Chicago's Legal Latte. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Jim Mitchell, and really looking forward to today's discussion for several reasons. Uh, first, I'll be joined by Lavelle Law attorney and partner Ted McGinn, which always means we'll have a uh, very informative and useful discussion. And secondly, I think uh, today's conversation will be one of those in which we can really get a better understanding of a legal topic in in several ways, including. Uh, working our way through some common terminology and getting a clearer view of the right steps to follow in a specific situation. Now, our topic today is conducting due diligence in the process of purchasing a business, and i uh, certainly like to get right to it. First of all, let's say hello to Ted McGinty. Ted, very thanks very much for being here with us.
1: Thanks, Jim. Always glad to be here.
0: Um, You know, I I mentioned in the intro there, uh, you know, getting a little better definition, that the term due diligence certainly gets tossed around quite a bit in business discussions and, and frankly, in just day-to-day life. It's one that sort of worked its way into the lexicon a little bit. From a legal perspective, what does due diligence really mean?
1: Well, I kind of like to describe it as basically you're doing your homework. You know, you're doing your homework in connection with a transaction you really want to make sure you know what you're getting into. When, and, and this is really coming from the perspective of a purchaser. I mean, obviously a seller, they know what they're selling or they should know. But a purchaser, they they have entered into a bargain where they're going to acquire some asset, and they want to make sure that the representations made by the seller are in fact accurate and the way to do that is performing your due diligence. You you're basically looking underneath the hood uh, if you're buying a car for if you want to take that as as a description.
0: Okay. So it's a concept that that really has some significance especially when, you know, money is being spent. It's this is something that um is a complete and needs to be a very thorough process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the buyer and seller may have uh several days, if not weeks or even months of discussions and during those discussions, the seller is going to make certain comments or statements relating to the asset or the business in question. and But then ultimately, the buyer is going to have to determine for himself whether or not those statements are accurate. And that's the, where the due diligence comes into play.
0: Okay. Now, you, you've you've mentioned the buyer here during the course of our discussion so far. Is it is it really the buyer or someone from the group that's conducting the due diligence process, or should they be using some outside source to be doing that for them?
1: Well, I think it, a lot of it depends on the complexity of the transaction and the sophistication of the buyer. Uh, if a if a buyer has, um, you know, significant experience in a particular area, uh, some, if not all, the due diligence can be performed by the buyer. But I, I think more often than not, the buyer is going to need uh, outside help to conduct the due diligence. Because even if a buyer is sophisticated in a particular industry, there's a lot of issues that the buyer will not be familiar with where they're going to need help. You know, areas such as legal, accounting, taxes. Uh, it's it's a rare situation where you have an individual who has expertise in all those areas.
0: The other thing you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, you used the word negotiation, which, you know, I, I think we have to keep in mind that in a transaction of some sort, that's, that's probably what's going on. And as you mentioned, it, it can be protracted. Uh, from a seller's perspective, do they, you know, what's their obligation to provide answers to the questions that are being asked? Well,
1: I mean, seller certainly has an incentive to be cooperative. I mean, after all, the seller is trying to sell a particular asset. And if I'm the buyer and I start getting resistance on turning over information or documentation, that's typically a red flag in my mind. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something that the seller is trying to hide. Now, at the same token, I understand the seller being a little suspicious and turning over information because, quite, uh, quite honestly, a lot of times information is private information, confidential information, and a seller should not willy-nilly turn that information over.
0: Okay. What about the books, financial records? I mean, is that um, something that's that's required or an absolute must-have?
1: I think so. I think it's an absolute must-have. I mean, after all, the buyer is acquiring this asset for the purpose of generating a profit in the future. The the, the buyer is going to invest some money in the purchase price, and the buyer wants to be confident that the buyer will get the return in the future. And the only way to determine that is by looking at the books of the company, looking at the financial records. How much money is this company making? Uh, What are the expenses? You know, Maybe the company... Uh, you know, maybe maybe the you know there's a possibility that a seller could try to, I don't want to say manipulate, but uh, but run the books in a certain way where it looks like it's making more money than what it really is. So the way to to really figure that out, you got to get into the nuts and bolts of the of the financial records to determine really how much money will this business generate in the future.
0: Yeah, and I, and I want to talk about the seller just a little bit more, and then and then we'll talk uh you know the details of the process and. You know, for our listeners, we're, we're talking with uh, Lavelle Law Attorney Ted McGinn. We're, we're looking at the process and importance of due diligence when purchasing a business or business asset, and Ted's been a regular contributor here. Um, today, you know, one of the things that we're hearing about is, is the negotiation. And, and is it fair to say, Ted, that the seller, you know, at least has some right to protect their position in the process and, you know, that they certainly want to be cooperative, as you said, but but nonetheless – just have to be careful on how they evaluate what they're sharing in the process
1: yeah definitely definitely because when you're in the due diligence phase there's really is no guarantee that you're going to have a deal i mean at this juncture you have talked to the buyer you've reached kind of a what they call meeting of the mind as to the price but until you actually have a closing and the money is paid there's no guarantee you're going to have a deal so if you're the seller you want to, you know, you want to be sure that in the event this deal does not take place, that you don't turn over any sort of trade secret information to to the buyer that could be used against you. And the way to protect yourself is you make sure that the buyer executes a confidentiality agreement before you start releasing any private or, or confidential information.
0: Okay. Now let's let's go through the process a little bit. Um, maybe give us just a quick list you mentioned earlier you know taxes and some other issues give me a list of the things that would be considered and then maybe we'll go back and go into detail on a couple of those
1: well if you're the buyer I mean what I always do is I will I have like I'll create a list a checklist I guess of the items that I want the seller to turn over to me and that's going to include tax returns financial statements employment tax returns payroll records Uh, balance sheets, uh, profit and loss, all those statements. And that's going to come from the seller. But in addition, as a buyer, you also want to conduct your independent due diligence. And what I mean by that is go out there and conduct a UCC lien search, conduct a federal tax lien search, go out there and try to do a judgment lien search. Uh, You know, you can't necessarily assume that the seller is going to be truthful in in what they turn over to you. I mean, after all, the seller is trying to sell an asset and they may try to, you know, position themselves in the most favorable life. So it's important that you go out there and do your own independent research as well.
0: Yeah, and tell me about taxes and and, and other tax liens and other types of liens that might be out there, how how that would impact. I mean, those need to be resolved before a deal would get done. Yeah,
1: well, if you're buying the stock you know, when that transaction closes, whatever the current situation is with that particular company, if they owe taxes to the IRS or the state of Illinois or any other taxing body and you bought that corporation, well, then after the sale is over with, that corporation is still liable. So you're going to have to deal with that problem in the future. The same token, if you're buying the assets, you know, you may, you know, the the, People may jump to the conclusion that well, you're just buying the assets. You didn't buy the corporation. So therefore, you know you just bought the asset and that's it. but But here's the catch. Typically, the IRS or the Department of Revenue or other taxing bodies will file a tax lien when the taxpayer is delinquent in those liabilities. And what that tax lien does, it encumbers the asset in question. So Getting back to our example, if you're buying the assets and you're thinking, okay, I don't need to worry about the seller and whatever liabilities the seller has because I'm just buying the assets. Well, if that asset is subject to a tax lien, surprise, surprise, you just bought an asset that is encumbered and you're going to have to deal with that taxing body.
0: And I guess uh, something similar would exist. You you ought to be checking in terms of any pending or ongoing litigation that the, the company might be involved with.
1: Uh definitely, definitely. I mean if you're like if you're buying the corporation, you're buying the shares of stock, whatever litigation that company may be currently involved in, it's gonna be a piece of litigation that you're gonna to have to deal with post closing. Just because the seller sells the stock to you, that doesn't necessarily mean that litigation is over with. Uh if there is a dispute with that company and one of its vendors or any other party you, if you're not, you may be buying into a piece of litigation which you don't want to deal with. At the same token, if you're buying assets and there's a judgment against the seller, and that judgment has been filed, that also can create a lien on those assets. So it's the same concept with the tax lien. If there's a judgment lien there, you may buy an asset that is encumbered, and therefore you have to ultimately deal with that judgment creditor.
0: Okay, so it sounds, you know, the other thing that comes to mind then is if if the uh, company holds leases, uh, if it's a party to leases in in any way, shape, or form for for real estate or equipment, then uh, I suppose all of those, uh, the content of those should be carefully reviewed because you'll be absorbing those as the buyer as well, right? Yeah, well, if you're
1: buying uh, the corporation, Uh, whatever contractual obligation that corporation is a party to well then that is going to be a contractual obligation that you as the purchaser will ultimately have to deal with in the future so if you're buying the corporation and that corporation executed a commercial lease a couple of months earlier and that may be a five-year lease well then that's going to be the buyer's obligation over the course of five years so you want to look at that lease make sure you understand what those lease obligations are uh, because quite a lot of times, a lease obligation, a monthly payment, is one of the biggest monthly expenses that a company has. And especially in this economy, there's a lot of leverage that tenants do have. And it, you know it, it, it would be a good way to maximize the profitability of the company if you could use that leverage and out there negotiating a, a better lease. But if you're already stuck in a long-term lease, it may be too late, and therefore you need to factor that into your business model uh, before you uh, close that deal,
0: and are there certain unique characteristics or considerations for any industry that um, requires some form of licensing or certification, uh, you know, to, to actually operate within a state or in some other jurisdiction?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it, you, that's a good point. I mean it depends on the nature of the business that you're buying. You're, you know, there's a lot of different. Uh, industries out there home health care comes to mind that typically if you're a Medicare provider you want to look at that provider number or you want to see make sure they have a state uh, home health care license you know same thing with other professions uh, different you know uh, you know accounting businesses uh, you know there's all kinds of different businesses out there uh, where there may be some sort of state certification uh, perhaps a school that you're going to acquire you know there there may be a license involved with that so it, that's something that a buyer needs to do their homework in, and, and if there is some sort of a state license or federal license, they need to investigate and make sure that the selling entity is in good standing.
0: And, and we've got just about a minute left here. So you, you mentioned uh, the process. You know, if you're looking to make a tra- enter into a transaction, it really sounds like you need to give yourself some time. This is going to take months at a minimum, and if you're planning on, you know, a business operation or the income from it, or something. This this probably isn't going to happen very quickly, and you should be aware of that.
1: Well, yeah, it, it you know, a big factor is what is the size of this acquisition. If this is a big purchase for you, you need to be willing to invest some time and money to make sure you're getting what you're bargained for. Um, you know, like I said, if it's a smaller purchase, maybe you don't feel the need to. Uh, do as much due diligence. You don't want to invest the time simply because it's not that big of a deal. So it's kind of a cost-benefit analysis.
0: All right. Well, unfortunately, uh, we could go on for a while here, but uh, time is up. I want to thank Ted McGinn for being with us. Always a great conversation when he is here, and we certainly appreciate all of you listening. Uh, Next week, we're going to continue in the business arena. We'll talk about unemployment claims. Uh, Best to understand that process, so uh, business owners may want to certainly be available to listen to that. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at